welcome back to the middle of culture. I am one of your co-hosts, Peter. And I'm your other host, Eden. So Eden, how you been doing? I've been doing okay. It's, you know, it's it's the doldrums of false spring right now um because the the snow will be falling again tomorrow but you know it's been it's been false spring for a few days here so you know second winter is just around the corner how about you it did that it did that to us yesterday it had been getting kind of nice and and was a little bit warmer still some snow on the ground but melting and then it just snowed all day yesterday and then it proceeded to blow all night last night. So we had a, the boys had a snow day yesterday because the, it was just bad. It was blizzard-like conditions. And then uh-huh. today they called and they're like, uh, despite the best efforts of everybody involved overnight to clear out roads and parking lots, uh, we basically, we didn't get it done. So we're going to have another snow day. Nice. Yeah, the boys were excited. I mean, I was at work all day, both days, because that's just what it is. But that's cool. They were happy. I was glad, especially for Alex, the older. uh, He got uh, got pretty sick uh, the last couple days, and so he was going to have to miss school yesterday and today. And so I was glad that uh, it was – it wasn't a – he didn't have to miss it because he was sick. He just missed it because it was closed, so – Nice. But anything well, that's, that's that, a, that can be nice. Yeah, you know, they were excited. I, I mean, it was, I don't know, didn't really matter to me either way, but uh, they were excited. And again, I was glad that Alex was able to stay home, rest a little bit, and uh, hopefully he's feeling better tomorrow when school's back in session. I get to take Gareth bright and early and drop him off at school at 5.30 tomorrow morning. Wow. Why so early? They are going to California for uh, something called LEST. I do not remember what any of that stands for, except for the L part is Lutheran. So it's a Lutheran school, uh, multi-school competition. They're going to, I think it's Concordia University in California, which is a Lutheran university. They're hosting it. And so the seventh and eighth graders go they participate in uh, a bunch of different activities. Uh, they're, they've been practicing. They've got like a handbell choir quote uh, that's performing. And then Gareth is, uh, he's going to uh, play in the chess competition. And then he's in like the math competition. And they have some sports and academics and stuff like that for a few days. And then they'll come back on Sunday. So, huh? Well, that's exciting. Yeah, he's excited. He's excited. It should be fun. Be a good good weekend for him. Yeah, that's fun. Well, is there anything that you've been uh, checking out lately that interested you enough that you wanted to bring it up on the pod? Yeah, a couple things. Um, so the new album by Paramore came out last weekend, um, and it is very good. It's a very good album. Oh, nice. It's been like six years since paramore put out after laughter which was their last album uh so it was really nice to have paramore back um albums called this is why uh that is also the title track that opens the album and it's a banger um so if you want to hear if paramore's 2023 version is for you or not listen to the song this is why and if you jive with it keep listening um i'm really impressed with it i really like it um it's it's maybe not quite as um it hasn't evolved quite as much as i'd hoped maybe they would um you know Haley williams in between after laughter and this is why put out a solo album um uh called petals for armor that is extremely good um and oh i guess she put out another one too i haven't listened to this one yet her solo work is very good it's very um moody and and less rock and roll than paramore than paramore is um and so i was excited to maybe see a little bit more of evolution of them as a group to that and that didn't necessarily happen but i do like where their sound has gone um you know there it's a little more uh 
it's a little tighter it's a little more focused because they're a three-person band now because they kicked out the dude who was like being a misogynist um which good for them uh but it's very good i'm really enjoying it excellent and then the second thing is i have been so i i don't remember if i talked about it last year or not or if it was long enough ago that it was before we started recording the podcast um, but I have been replaying with the intent to actually finish this time uh, Final Fantasy XV, um, okay. which is a great game. Final Fantasy XV rules. Anyone who tells you that it's uh, a bad game is wrong uh, and should fix their hearts because Final Fantasy XV is a great video game. Um, I am almost done with it. I was doing the final boss rush last night and I was a bit under leveled. So I loaded a previous save and decided to go do some, uh, some leveling, do some side quests, maybe pick up a few of the, uh, Royal arms that I had not picked up initially before going into the final, the final fights. Um, but I'm almost to the point, I think where I'm ready to jump back into those last few fights and, uh, and finish that game strong. It's a really solid video game. Um, and I'm having a lot of fun with it. That's what I'll say. Nice. You know, I bought it for the PS4 many years ago when I bought myself a PS4 pro or whatever the heck that one was called and, uh, never, never launched it, never played it. So sitting it's down not, there, it, it's good. I I'd recommend it. It's not that long. I mean, I think I'm probably going to end up 30 hours or so, which is short for an for an RPG, at least in my mind it is, it's, oh, yeah. especially for a 21st century RPG. I mean, 20th century RPGs, early RPGs, yeah, you knock those babies out in five, six hours. But like in the era of the PS2 and onward, the JRPG is a long affair usually. So getting out of this in 30, 35 hours is short. Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, that sounds mad. But it's really... It is. It's totally manageable, um, especially when you compare it to it taking like four or five hundred hours to play all of the storyline of Final Fantasy fourteen that's out so far. Mm, yeah, um, that's and that's not necessarily including side quests. That's just doing the main story of that game. So obviously a lot smaller. Mm. Um, but, it, you know, it it's a road trip with the boys. It's a cool car to drive around and do a road trip with the boys. Uh, it's got interesting, really interesting characters. Um, I'm really invested in the story. I care a lot about them as characters, uh, and I'm just having a really good time with it. It's 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 a fun game, and I'm excited and a little trepidatious about Final Fantasy 16, which comes out in a few months, um, because it looks like it's going to be a lot of the stuff I don't necessarily like about RPGs and not have as much of the stuff that I do like about RPGs. Because one of the things I really like about 15, I won't talk too long about this, uh, but one of the things I really like about 15 is that it is still like a weird fantasy world, but it is also a weird fantasy world that is contemporary to our own because Mm. you are driving a car around, but you probably shouldn't drive around at night until you're a little stronger because demons appear in the middle of the night and will attack you in your car and kill you. Yeah, you don't want that. So like... It's just a really, and, and like, what are my weapons? They're like weird astral weapons that I summon from God only knows where. But that way I'm very easily able to like swap between my different weapon types and like leap from place to place using my magic powers because I'm the chosen prince and like, but I'm still literally on a road trip driving my very large convertible with my three best friends who are also the royal retinue on the way to my wedding. So like, it's a weird juxtaposition of fantasy stuff and this contemporary world that I think works really, really well and is very evocative and very exciting and just is not a thing that you usually see in a fantasy-esque world, but kind of builds understandably on the sorts of things that Final Fantasy has been doing where they mix technology and and magic but having this really kind of like contemporary setting for it is really interesting nice but like 16 is just like swords it's it's, it looks like medieval times Mm, yeah so i don't know if it'll be good 
the guy who makes the the director of Final Fantasy 14 is also the director of 16. I know it's being made by the same uh, internal studio at Square Enix that 14 is made by. And I have talked at length about how much I love Final Fantasy 14. So I'm excited about that, but also I'm just kind of bored of fantasy. Sure, sure. Anyway, we'll see what happens. How about you? Cool. Anything fun you've been engaging with? Um, not a whole lot. Uh, I really don't think I've played any games. I haven't watched any movies or any TV. Um, you know, music-wise, not a lot of new releases that have come out in the last week or two that really grabbed me other than basically in the last couple weeks, if it's death metal, I'm listening to it. And uh, it just, you know, I made this whole playlist of just kind of like the, the most prototypical death metal, you know, I'm staying away from like, I have a separate playlist for technical death metal and I have another playlist for melodic death metal and, this is just straight up death metal and that's, it's just a rabbit hole. I've kind of been going deep down and for whatever reason right now, it's kind of what I need. And so I've been listening to that a fair bit. Um, and then the only other thing really is I finally decided this week at the start of this week that it was time to start revising that book I wrote. So I've been getting nice. And going through That's and starting exciting. to make some revisions. And so uh, actually, once I get a, a few chapters done, I think I'll, if, you, if you're still willing, I'll send them your way and have you start yeah. giving me some feedback as well as a few other folks. But that's about it. I mean, okay. Very I willing. I did watch one movie. And that movie was X-Men Dark Phoenix. Our topic for today. So... Before we get into, uh, well, thank you. Before we get into the nitty gritty of it, I'm very curious to hear what your overall thoughts were. I had a really good time watching it. It's not a good movie, but it's also not a bad movie. Oh my gosh. I almost can't believe you said that only because I felt the exact same way as the movie ended. Like, uh, yeah, I had a perfectly, I had a perfectly fine time watching this movie. It was so much better than Apocalypse. Yes. It was so much better than The Last Stand. Yeah. It was honestly, it was better than First Class. This was the yes. second best. This is the second best of this quadrilogy. Easily. Easily. It's not good. But it's like no. solidly middle of all of the movies we watch. Middle to mid-high. Yeah. I So again, you know, my youngest, Gareth, he watched it with me. And we fire it up on the Apple TV, and there it sits with a 29% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's too low. And so just for fun, yeah, just for fun, we went to look and see where Black Adam was. And Black Adam is sitting at 38%. And I was like, oh boy, this got worse scores than Black Adam, which again, listeners, I do not think that there is a movie that I have found so offensively bad and has made me so angry in the last, I don't know how many years than Black Adam. And so I was really nervous when I fired it up, but by the time it was all said and done, yeah, a hundred percent agree. Not a good movie by any stretch of the imagination, but I had so I, I would go back and watch this movie again long before I would watch first class. Like you said, apocalypse for sure, uh, or X-Men origins, Wolverine. And yeah, probably X three, whatever last stand. I mean, yeah, yeah, I was, I was legitimately shocked when it ended to go. I had fun watching this movie. Yeah, I, here's the thing, Sophie brings it in a way that I did not expect her to because I thought she was totally boring in Apocalypse. Sophie Turner, oh, yeah. who oh, plays yeah. Jean Grey, actually brings it in this movie in a way that I was very surprised to see. Yeah, 
I think honestly, my biggest complaint, well, I'll give a really quick synopsis and then, and then we can talk about kind of what worked and what didn't work because I, I, I had one complaint that honestly, I sat there going, I can see why they did it, but I actually think they could have made a better movie if they hadn't to try to shoehorn this in. So the movie starts in 1975, eight-year-old Jean Grey is in a car crash uh, that basically she causes, her parents are there, her mother gets killed. We are initially led to believe that her father is killed as well. Charles Xavier brings her to his school, promising to teach her and help her. Fast forward to the present of this movie, and it's 1992, 1992 and Space Shuttle Endeavor is on its first mission. The shuttle is damaged by solar flare-like energy. The president calls the X-Men, and they get in their sh- their plane that's not really supposed to go into space, but you know Charles wants them to do it, and so Hank takes them up in space. They rescue all the astronauts, but in the process of trying to get the, I think it was the commander, who was the last one left, in the process of that, this undulating purplish, reddish, orangish wave of energy that's floating around in space hits the shuttle, and Jean Grey basically absorbs this. So they all get back. Her psychic powers have been amplified now. It's harder for her to control, especially as she becomes emotional. And come to find out that uh, Professor X had suppressed Jean's memory of the fact that she caused the car car crash and then didn't uh, reveal to her the fact that her father was still alive. So Jean travels to her hometown after seeing these visions of her father, finds him alive. He had forsaken her. She recovers her memory and realizes that her powers were what caused the crash and killed her mother. The X-Men arrive. There's a skirmish in which Raven is killed by Jean accidentally, but uh, Raven is killed. She flees to the island of Genosha, this mutant refuge run by Magneto or Eric Lencher. She asks for help controlling her rage, but military helicopters arrive demanding her surrender. She attacks them and Eric banishes her. Then she's found by Vuk, leader of this weird shape-shifting alien race known as the Dabari, explains that the cosmic force Jean Absorb had wiped out the Dabari planet, consuming everything until it was drawn to Jean, and offers to help Jean to learn to use this force. Hank is pissed off, blames Xavier for Raven's death, and leaves the school and allies with Eric and his faction of mutants with a plan to kill Jean. Uh, Learning of that plan, Kurt Wagner teleports the X-Men to New York to try and save her. The two factions battle. Eric confronts Jean and Vuk and is defeated by Jean's amplified powers. Xavier convinces Jean to read his memories, helping her former personality resurface. Uh, She expresses remorse, attempts to let Vuk take the Phoenix Force from her, but Scott Summers stops her when Vuk reveals that the, the, the Dabari's intent to use the Force is to conquer Earth. Then some government troops arrive, subdue the mutants, and Vuk escapes. So our big final scene, the mutants are all confined on a train when the Dabari attack, overpowering the soldiers. The mutants are freed by some of the soldiers to try and help them. Charles and Scott convince Hank, Eric, and his allies that Gene is not beyond help. They unite to fend off the aliens. And then Charles confers with Gene via his mind. She forgives him. And then she saves the mutants from the train wreck. And in a final attempt, Vuk tries to drain the force from Jean, who flies them into space, releases all of her power, and fries Vuk. And then she transforms into a phoenix-shaped being of energy. Xavier calls it quits. They rename the school the Jean Grey School for Gifted Youngsters. Hank takes his place. And Charles and Eric are hanging out in Paris. End movie. That's it. So my biggest complaint... I think was honestly the Dabari. Uh, I just felt like you could have told that the story would have had more weight and more emotional stakes. Had we not had this third party coming in and, and basically being the, the force that kind of gets everybody to ally. Like I, I, and I don't know how I would have told the story otherwise, but that part just felt 
I don't know. It, it felt like I think they would have had a better story had they focused a little bit more on Jean and her relationship with the other X-Men and what was going on with her rather than having some of that, but then it all culminating in this, but we're going to fight these aliens now. Yeah. Here's the thing. One thing to keep in mind about this movie was its troubled production, which I'm oh, surprised yes. still turned out with a decent film when all was said and done, but they had to completely reshoot the finale of this film. And in reshoots, they had to change what species the aliens were. Really? Because Peter, they were the scroll and there was oh. a final act that was a huge space battle with the Phoenix destroying skull scroll spaceships. What huh. came out four months before Dark Phoenix did. Captain, did Captain Marvel, Marvel, which mm -hmm. heavily features the Skrulls and has a final act where Captain Marvel goes basically binary mode, which is, for all intents and purposes on the screen, very similar looking to the Phoenix, mm -hmm. and destroys a whole bunch of spaceships. So they had to completely scrap the final act of this film and reshoot it because as they had shot it, it didn't get great results in the test screenings. And then someone from Disney was like, yo guys, you gotta change this stuff. <laughs> and so they pulled the Dabari out of their asses. Like the Dabari were like a, a race that existed and had been, their planet had been destroyed by the Phoenix, but like the Phoenix has destroyed a whole lot of planets, baby. It's been busy mm -hmm. for eight ages. The Phoenix is old. So, like, it didn't have to be the Dabari. No one cares about the Dabari. No one had ever heard of the Dabari before. I mean, outside of the deep cut people who were like, oh, yes, that's right. The Dabari were in, like, seven issues of Marvel Comics ever. Hmm. And, like, they shapeshift. Like scrolls. Right. Yep. Anyway. I just think it's really so interesting that they had to completely scrap the ending and come up with a pretty okay denouement all said and done. Yeah. Like I say, it wasn't terrible. I, I just, uh, I would have liked it better had the focus been more on the characters that we have known yes. for at least a, a movie or two. Yes. It, it suffers from the same thing that all of the X-Men movies that were not about Wolverine have suffered from. There's just too many people. There's too many yeah. people to dig in and get to know any of these characters you can do that in a comic book because there's been eight kajillion issues of X-Men comics. So it's, mm -hmm. it's easy to get to know these characters really well so that when you put 12 of them on a team together, it's not like 12 of who on what team? Like, but most of these people have been in three movies before this. Some of them have been in one movie before this mm -hmm. of the X-Men movies. So like it didn't have time to build those relationships, like you said. And like, I don't, I can't really expect them to because it's a team, it's a team movie, but it would work better if there were fewer. I do agree with you there. Yeah. Well, so what were some other things that worked for you? What were things that you were either surprised at or that you thought they pulled off when again, so much of this movie, I watched it going and they shouldn't have been able to pull this out and, and make it as watchable as it is yeah um i jessica chastain is too hot and too good of an actor to be in this movie as vuk <laughs> can i just say that she's too good yes, and yes, she's she too can. hot and she's wasted in this movie come on jessica chastain how big of a check did you get for this i hope it was worth it <laughs> um I did like that Charles Xavier is still the bad guy so much in this movie. He's <laughs> yes, so I wrote again in my notes. Bad. Charles again proves he's the worst. <laughs> he's the absolute worst. Um, I do. I really liked that they were clearly setting up. Like I was reading a little on the Wikipedia page, and this was supposed to be the first film of a new trilogy. Mm -hmm. It was supposed to be Apocalypse was the end of the first class trilogy. This was supposed to be the start of a new trilogy, but this but this 
getting 22% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, doing pretty poorly in terms of money, and the fact that Disney bought Fox was the end of the end of the line, babies. Um, yep. But like, you know, it, I liked that uh, they were really setting up a lot of conflict that could have paid off in future films. Like Gene disappearing and then coming back, we can do something with that. The fact that Magneto is starting Genosha, like they've given him an island yeah. and he is like turning it into a refuge for for mutants. That is not a thing that we've ever seen Magneto do in these movies before. And that's cool. For that's sure. a totally new thing for him to be for him to be like walking the walk of okay, like after what happened in Apocalypse, we're doing things Charles's way. The government is giving me this island so I can start a nation for mutants. So that's what I'm going to do. And it's going to be hard scrabble. And we're going to be subsistence farmers on this island that we have. But it's ours. So then when yeah. people come to threaten it, he's like, I can't. I can't have this here. I can't have this here. I'm trying to do the right thing. And granted, he immediately decides it's murder time once he finds out that gene has killed uh mystique but like it happens it happens mm-hmm. um i yeah. liked that they were doing that and that that was something different you know i liked that it it built up that intractable like conflict between hank mccoy and charles xavier and that that ruptured by the end you know like mm-hmm it set it up in a really interesting place of Hank now teaching at the school. He being the head of the school, it's not Charles's school anymore. He's gone. And that's good. Like I trust Hank more than I trust Charles at this point. (laughs) No kidding. (laughs) Um, I really liked the mutant whose power was dread dreadlocks. (laughs) I don't know who that I was. Tell if I liked it or I hated it, but it entertained I, me. It entertained me. That's that's what I'll say. It entertained <laughs> me. Apparently, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page. His name is Ariki, a mutant who can use his hair braids as a weapon. Okay, it was fun. It was dumb and it was really fun. Um, that's what I'll say. I do kind of uh, love the idea of, you know, we have this whole team of almost unstoppable aliens, and he's just got his hair. He's got hair. He's just going at it with his hair. He's just going at it. He's got hair. It's great. Um, Yeah. And that's basically what I liked in it. But I liked a lot more of this than I liked of Apocalypse. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, there was, I thought uh, one person that I actually wrote down that I wanted to, to shout out. I thought that the little girl, the child actor who plays, uh, young Jean Grey, I thought she was great. Yeah, she, was she did a really good job and and did a great job. You know, I liked her a lot. I think this might be the X Men movie, like any X Men movie, where I actually kind of like Scott Summers the most. Also, I yeah, don't think I've liked him in any other movie, but this one, I'm like, he was actually kind of okay. Like he, well, he wasn't yeah, a schmuck I think this about is my it. My favorite Scott Summers appearance. He wasn't a schmuck about it. In the earlier mm-hmm. films, there was always the weird love triangle shit between Wolverine mm-hmm. and Cyclops. So you know, he was being a schmuck about it the whole time and being like, "Ooh, she's my girl." Didn't have to do that here because, thankfully, no Wolverine cameo in this one, babies. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Not oh a goodness. mention. I, I don't think not a mention of a single weapon X. No. And I really liked I really liked Ty Sheridan. I thought he did a really good job playing like a conflicted but loving partner to this person who just cares about the fact that his his partner is going through this difficult situation and is like really trying to to emotionally help her and reach out to her and uh and like be there for her as she starts losing it. And I thought that that was like really, it was really well done. Yeah. I mean, the relationship between the two of them, honestly, is again, this is the best portrayal of it in any of the X-Men movies. I think no doubt. Um, I had to ask, would you, would you, what were your feelings on Dazzler? I mean, we got Dazzler. I mean, 
I marked out in my notes because you, I think we've talked about it. Uh, Dazzler is <laughs> one of my all time favorite mutants. Maybe my favorite mutant. She's up there. She's up. That's there. why I, I love Dazzler. I wrote it down. I knew I had to ask you. <laughs> I love Dazzler. It's the stupidest character in the world. I love her. I have all 43 issues of the Dazzler comic in my basement right now. It's great. It's terrible. I love it. <laughs> uh, give me more Dazzler. That's, that's all I have to say. I'm, I was just glad she she showed up. I, you know, I'm glad she showed up. You know, she was in, mm-hmm. she was in her disco outfit, which this is 1992. I, it's a little anachronistic to have her in her 1978 disco outfit, although she did not have her roller skates on, which she should have had to complete the ensemble. <laughs> because that is the true dazzler outfit is that white jumpsuit and silver roller skates she didn't have the roller skates on but i was happy to see dazzler there even if it was just a little like a moose bouche of what could have been um yeah jennifer lawrence stay losing in these movies um very wooden not very good the makeup looked so bad well i think it was obvious that she was just phoning this one. Oh, hundred percent. I mean, and, and you notice it, it was interesting. Number one, the makeup looks terrible, like demonstrably worse than it has in any other. It just looked cheap. Well, as I kind of told, you you know, my son, I was like, it kind of looks like somebody just like threw a little blue paint on her face and then broke out the duct tape and started just tearing off pieces and putting them wherever. Yeah, which is just, it's so interesting to me that this looked so terrible because the beast was the best he'd ever looked. Mm -hmm. But there was a really interesting thing. If the beast face, the beast face was knocking it out the park, but like it felt like. She was like, I will come back under two conditions. A, you kill me because I'm never coming back to these fucking movies again. B, (laughs) you are making the makeup a lot quicker to put on. Yeah. No, there was, and and not only a lot quicker to put on, you'll notice she spends, for someone who in previous movies is like, we should just look like our, our real people all the time. We shouldn't hide. She and Hank McCoy spend a significant amount of time not in makeup in this. Yeah, they do. And and I saw that and I was like, this is very much obviously either the actors were like, no, I'm not going to do it. Or maybe it was budgetary reasons or a combination of both where it was like, you know, we're not going to do it at this point. Yeah. Unless we have to, we're going to just, they're just going to look like themselves. Yeah. you know, it, it actually, it worked fine. It wasn't, it wasn't something where I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they did that. I mean, me um, neither. But I did notice it. Yeah. You know, I, I noticed it. I did like, and, and I wrote down after, um, I think it was during the scene, like I really liked the scene where Hank just lets Charles have it. Yeah, me and too. like. After yes, like after the funeral, finally somebody is te- yes, finally somebody is telling this guy what an ass he is. Yeah, he sucks. Yeah, I thought that. I, that, really I thought the exact same scene. thing. It really yeah. That I, I you know I wrote in my notes that you know damn Hank is at it with these Xavier put downs because like that's what he needed. Oh yeah, because especially yeah. like. When he lands, when they land the plane outside of Gene's dad's house and like he comes out looking all haughty and all of his X-Men are in their dumb outfits, but he's like in his turtleneck and she's like, go away. And I'm just like, yeah, damn. He looks like he's like, I'm going to fix things. And he does not fix things. And like he got what he deserved. Agreed. Agreed. And it was, it was like, I really liked that finally it was Charles, you kind of suck at this. Go retire. Yep. Somebody else needs to take over. Yep. You know? And it was like an interesting nod to at naming at the Jean Grey school was an interesting nod to, you know, a thing that happened in the comics a couple of years before this movie came out where, you know, Jean Grey had died again. I, she's on what? Three or four deaths mm. at this point, but whatever, who cares? Um, <laughs> and Xavier was also dead at this point. And so Wolverine basically became the headmaster of the school and named it after Jean Grey. 
So I thought that that was like an interesting like shout out to the time when things got weird and like they had some non-mutants come and be some of the teachers. Spider-Man was one of the teachers at the Jean Grey School for Gifted Youngsters because they were like, Hmm. we need some non-mutant perspectives here. Hey, our weird non-mutant mutant friend, come come on through. (laughs) Another thing that I wrote down is that I, I liked that storm seemed to get a a second chance that this actor who played storm in apocalypse and now is back in here kind of got a second chance because I don't think she was great, but she was much better in this movie than she was in apocalypse. And I, like, I liked her in apocalypse. I was just like, whatever. And in this, I was like, no, I, I like her. I can see her. You at least have in this, the seeds of a storm who could become the leader of the X-Men. Yeah. Yeah. She was, she was the most interesting that storm has been in any of these movies, which is a diss, a diss on these movies as much as it is praise for her. (laughs) No, I thought the same thing. I thought again, this is the most I have liked Scott Summers. This is the most I have liked storm uh, in any X-Men movie. Same. Um, You know, I mean, I know we're not going on quite as long as we have for some of the movies, but I think that it really boils down to the fact that I think this movie's been done dirty. Extremely so. Great. It's not a great movie, but it is so much more watchable and enjoyable than damn near half, if not more than half of these X-Men movies. Agreed. It's it's perfectly serviceable. So I think that this has been, I I think that this has been a great experiment to watch all 10 of these movies. So to wrap up our adventure, the winter of our ex content in the, in the chat, (laughs) I am going to send you, I'm going to send you the, it is not false winter here or false spring here. This is a real spring. The spring has sprung. We're not coming back to the X-Men. Sorry, Deadpool fans. Sorry. People who wanted us to watch new mutants. I'm not doing it. No, no, this is X-Men proper. So in the chat, I have put a list of all 10 of the movies we have watched so far. So we need to go through and rank them individually from 10 to one worst to best, worst to best, worst to best. So what's number 10 bottom of the barrel this list of movies again. So people at home know who we're talking about in chronological release order. We've got X-Men X2, the last stand X-Men origins, Wolverine first class, the Wolverine days of future past apocalypse, Logan and dark Phoenix. So what is the worst of these movies for you? I, I think I've got to go with X-Men origins, Wolverine. Okay. That's a that's a good one. That's I think so. It's real bad. My number 10 is Apocalypse because I would rather watch X-Men Origins Wolverine than Apocalypse again. <laughs> so, I will tell you uh, I vacillated between those two, so that should let everyone know that Apocalypse is the next one on my list. And what do you know? It was a very close tie for me between those two. And what do you know? X-Men Origins Wolverine was uh, number nine for me. Speaking of X-Men Origins Wolverine, it's got it's got N. Emma Frost in it. So does First Class. Originally, the plan for Jessica Chastain was for her to be Emma Frost. This was supposed to be a Hellfire oh, Club wow. movie. And like that would have... Oh, she would have been good at that. I know. They really did her dirty. I remember when she was first cast, though, and they were like, she's not Emma Frost. There was a lot of people who were like, ooh, she's going to play Lirlandra, the Shi'ar Empress, who is like in a weird, has been in weird relationship shit with Charles Xavier over the years. And I didn't know until I started this movie that she was not Lilandra, the Shi'ar Empress. I thought she was going to be Lilandra. And then she's some boring shapeshifter named Vuk. And I was like, excuse? I thought you were, I thought you were Lilandra Naramani, the, um empress of the Shi'ar, the magistrix of the Shi'ar empire who was married to Charles Xavier at one point. But no, she was just some weird alien. Anyway, wasted, wasted, Jessica, wasted. 
All right. What's your number eight worst movie? Uh, number eight is The Last Stand. Dang it. Me too. I I have a sneaking suspicion that our lists are going to be very similar with like a couple vacillations. Mm-hmm. All right. What's number seven? What was your uh, number seven for me is First Class. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to go with that one too. What do you have there? I'm going to go number seven is First Class. Okay. And I think it's pretty weak. So I've got three, two, and one locked away. It's the next ones. It's, you know, six, five, and four that I'm vacillating back and forth between. Yeah, me too. And I kind of feel like, well, there were still some things. Okay. I know this is going to seem crazy for people. I'm, I had a hard time watching this movie. I know that it's better than I'm putting it right now, but I think, Days of Future Past might be at that ne- at ne- uh, that next slot for me. Okay, okay. I, I think so. Again, these three in here, I'm I'm really struggling with putting them in order. Uh, and I'll just say the three that I'm struggling with is Days of Future Past, The Wolverine, and Dark Phoenix. I and I hate to admit it. I we think are Days in the of same Future boat. Past is a much like I think Days of Future Past is a significantly better movie than Dark Phoenix. But again, for reasons I don't know that I could tell you, I would easily rather watch Dark Phoenix than Days of Future Past again. Oh, I feel the exact so same way. I think way. for me, that's got to go there. At, uh, that's got to go at six. And then I think for me, it's a coin toss between the Wolverine and Dark Phoenix. Today, I think I would actually put Dark Phoenix above the Wolverine. I don't know if that's right or not. Our lists are the same. <laughs> our lists are the exact same number Great. six days of future past number five the wolverine yep, number so. four yeah, the dark horse coming out of nowhere dark phoenix <laughs> how did this movie only have 22 percent fresh on rotten tomatoes i know it's better than again more than half of these movies all right and then our top three you and can just, just say them all at once home stretch i know exactly what they're X2. gonna be yeah go ahead so it's X2 at number three, X-Men at number nine, Logan. I mean, at number two, Logan is number one. X-Men jumped above X2 in your rankings. It did. In further reflection, uh, I think that given, and I don't know that I could even, they're kind of intangibles, but given a lot of different things, I think I would bump it up above X2. Yeah, man. The the main thing for me is, and I realize that there's lots of reasons Hugh Jackman's Wolverine has been a center central character throughout so many of these movies, but the whole weapon X, like so many aspects of that just feel overwrought. And so I think that it's that just that overwrought nature of X two that bumps it down a notch for me and actually puts X men ahead. Yeah, I am with you. The only difference between our rankings were the flip-flopping of X-Men Origins Wolverine and Apocalypse. And honestly, if you'd asked me another and day, I maybe would have done them in the same order you did. Well, and the same for me. It, it truly was a coin flip, and I ended up going with... Uh, I, I don't know why I ended up going with Origins as as the the worst, but... Yeah, either of those are they're they're bad movies. They're, they're bad really movies. bad movies. And and I just want to say to anyone who's listening, let go of any preconceptions you might have about Dark Phoenix and give it a shot. If you haven't seen it, give it a shot. Know that it's not a great movie, but that we both without talking about this in any way shape or form before we talk we did this today, we both think that it's in the upper like i mean again we've got it at number four out of ten when it's all said and done we said it was the best of the of the uh first class era films yeah and i and i stand by that i think it's i think it was more fun to watch than days of future past and i would rather watch it i watched it last night and if you were to put me in a chair and say, you can choose right now between Days of Future Past and Dark Phoenix, I'd probably re-watch Dark Phoenix, even though I watched it yesterday. Oh, there's no probably for me. I absolutely would. 
Which is why it was really interesting because, again, I, I just with everything that was going on, I ended up watching it on Sunday because I had the time. I knew I could make it happen. And so when you sent me that text yesterday that was like, boy, I don't know if I can do this. And then the little gift from, you know, Star Wars, The, the Force Awakens of good old Kylo Ren. Mm-hmm. I thought to myself, I thought, boy, I am really curious to see because that was how I felt when I started the movie on Sunday night. And when it was done, I truly was surprised at that. I had a good time. Yeah. It was not, I mean, first class, I had to stop in the middle, go to bed and come back the next day. Days of future past felt arduous. It felt ponderous. This, it was, it was entertaining. It's not great, but it was, I enjoyed watching it. I wrote in my notes two separate times, this is way better than I thought it was going to be. And maybe, maybe this was just a case of like, we both had our expectations in the toilet because 22% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. And so I'm sure that we're just coming in saying, this is a lot better than the critical consensus seemed to say that it should have been. But I, I had a good time. I had a really good time. It feels a lot leaner and a lot more grounded mm-hmm. than Days of Future Past and Apocalypse do, and I think that works in its favor. Definitely. And uh, yeah. the train getting derailed was fun to watch. <laughs> it was. It was. It was a dumb, it also, was a dumb final action Jean, scene, but it was fun. I kind of liked Jean Grey finally giving Magneto a taste of his own medicine and like using her telekinesis to smash his metal helmet onto his head because he likes to do that to other people. I like yeah. that she did that to him. Yeah. You know? And I don't know if I so. mentioned this earlier, but it does need to be shouted out. The Phoenix should be an extraterrestrial force. So that was the right choice. It just being like Jean's mm-hmm. repressed id in the last stand was a mistake. Now that automatically this, cause I couldn't remember if that's what it was. And then as soon as it starts and the shuttle's going into space, I was like, Oh good. They're actually going to, they're, they're getting that part right. Hell yeah. And so that from that moment, it was automatically in front of the last stand. Here's the thing that I think is the most interesting though. Simon Kinberg who wrote and directed this movie wrote X-Men the last stand. <laughs> Maybe this was him trying to atone for his past sins. I think that's exactly what happened. And it worked. This is much better, much better than this movie. But yeah, he was one of the two writers on X-Men The Last Stand. So, Hmm. A, how did they keep bringing him back? Because he was also a producer on First Class and the writer of Days of Future Past and Apocalypse. So... How how did you get this job after Apocalypse, bro? But good job. Yeah. Yeah. I I wonder I'm I'm looking here really fast and I think at least part of it might have had to do with uh good old Brian Singer getting yanked. I mean, after being a douche. Yeah, uh, let's and he, uh, we I, have I said it many times. Like a, here we we've said many times uh Brian Singer is a sex pest. And he can go to hell. But uh, uh-huh. Kinberg also made a better movie than Singer has made since 2002. So take it's that, true. Brian. It is true. Not only was <laughs> it better, not only was it better than your two X-Men movies you made since X2, it was also better than your bad Superman movie. Yes. Yes, it was. Superman Returns sucks. So mm-hmm. it's garbage. That's all I have to say about well, that. Well, folks, there you have it. A surprising conclusion, I would say, to our winter of excontent. I truly did expect to come into this uh, on an even lower note than we were a, couple, uh, a month or so ago with X-Men Apocalypse. And I would just like to say that I was incredibly pleasantly surprised that this movie was as enjoyable and as watchable as it was. So again, give it a chance, folks. It's really not as bad as the critics said it was. People need to give Dark Phoenix a chance. Well, and here's the thing. You know, we joked about it being a roller coaster and like we had our low lows with Apocalypse. We had a really high high with Logan. This is just 
cruising into the end because it was the last one. It was just cruising into the station, not a low low, just slowing down and saying thanks for coming mm-hmm. on this long journey with us. When these characters reappear in the MCU, it will probably disappoint Eden immensely. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. I'm going to I'm going to fucking hate it when the X-Men show up in the MCU. I'm going to hate it <laughs> so much. I'm going to be like, this sucks so much. How could you ruin these characters this much, Kevin Feige? I have I have a vendetta against you now cuz it's happening. The turn is coming. It's going to go bad. When the MCU gets, we're all going to turn on him. We're going to be looking for his head in the streets when he blows it on the X-Men. I really hope that that's not accurate. We'll see. X- Ant-Man, and the Wasp, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania, 56% fresh right now. You know, I know, but I've heard from a couple, at least one or two podcasts that I listened to that got to see it early. They loved it. So I don't know. I'm going to go see it tomorrow night. That's why we're recording a night early because uh, I then am on call for the rest of the month and I won't have a chance to go see it without the risk of interruption. So I don't know. We'll find out. We'll, we'll find have to out. talk about it in our next one. Maybe maybe I'll come. Maybe I'll have seen it by then. Maybe I won't. It depends how lazy I get and whether or not my partner wants to go see it with me because often I have to go <laughs> see I, I often have to go see the less interesting Marvel movies by myself. I had to go see Dr. Strange by oh, myself. I'm, yeah. I'm totally going solo. So yep. Just me. All right. Well, well until we'll, next time we'll wrap up, finish up this winter of X content and no more X-Men movies. That means I'm going to have to start coming up with new ideas, but Hey, at least I got a more or less in you know, two, two and a half weeks before I have to come up with something. There so. you go. There you go. Well, as usual, we thank everybody who's listening, who's subscribed. Please leave us a review. uh, Give us a star rating. And if you've got any feedback, reach out to us. And uh, we'll talk again in about two weeks. See you all later.